Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're looking at haunted objects. Just before we get to that, though, I just want to say if you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous episodes of the podcast, please make sure you subscribe. It'll keep you in the loop for every time I post. If you are using Apple Podcasts, if you could right now, pretty, pretty please, just go and leave a five-star rating. The thing is, you also have to write a little review as well for it to actually work. If you just do the five stars, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that or if anyone else really does, but if you just write something, you, you can literally write anything, but it does actually help us get pushed up in the charts and more people are more likely to be suggested it. So it just helps us grow organically. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. Definitely jump on those platforms because every time I post a new episode or things about the episodes, you'll be across that. We have a blog, which is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. You'll definitely want to jump on there for this episode because I'm going to have images and any sort of video or anything relating to these objects. So you can actually have a look at what these things I'm actually talking about look like. And as well, we're on Patreon. So if you go on Patreon right now, this episode is extended and there's some bonus content in there where I actually talk about a family member who we believed who might have actually had a curse from a trip in Egypt where he actually then passed after that visit. As the title suggests, talking about haunted objects, which also involves some curses and so on. So I'm kind of, I've gone into that. So that's something you'll definitely want to check out because that is a personal thing that's happened to me where someone has passed away from something we believe may have something to do with an ancient Egypt curse. Wow, if that won't get you onto the Patreon, I don't know what will. Well, with that, I think it's time to get into this episode on haunted objects. Haunted items, haunted objects is something that has sort of been running through my mind a little bit recently, I suppose. I think it was after I did uh, a few weeks ago, if you're listening to this in real time, I suppose, a few episodes ago, rather, I did an episode talking with some demonologists. And I don't think this portion actually made it into the podcast from memory, but I was talking with one of the demonologists about haunted items uh, because he actually owned a few. And I was sort of just... I'm not sure really how we got onto that sort of topic, but I guess it's all relevant. But um, he was explaining to me the particular items that he owned and I was then sort of questioning how something can become haunted in his opinion. And I, we kind of came to that conclusion of we don't really know, I suppose, unless you ask 
the item. And, but if you, if you can't do that, you know, I suppose whatever it is, doesn't have that capability or of getting a message to you or what kind of have you, then it's all just speculation. And that is everything I speak about on this podcast is, you know, we're kind of jumping, not jumping to conclusions, but we are making conclusions and speculating and kind of just figuring out how all of this activity kind of fits into our everyday world, I suppose. And a lot of it doesn't, you know, and that's why a lot of people kind of just completely write off the paranormal because it doesn't fit into the everyday normal structure of our society. But it kind of doesn't have to or it it can't in a sense and that's why it is paranormal. So I decided to sort of sit down and start looking into some haunted items and there is probably a good 15 to 20 that pop up time and time again. They're really famous and just really well-known, I suppose, and somewhat maybe documented. Obviously, there's, you know, you can go and buy haunted items online, which is something I'm kind of interested in doing at some point, I think. But from my understanding, anything could be haunted in a sense. There's nothing too specific about these objects. There's no real prerequisites for these items to become haunted. It's completely dependent on the energy that decides to attach itself to that item. In my research, there's kind of two ways I think that something can be haunted. It's either possessed by some sort of entity. You know, usually when we talk about possession, we're obviously talking about demonic type entity, something that wasn't a human, it wasn't living. Then also attachment. So either something potentially like a spirit, so someone who has passed, enjoying that particular item and kind of just following that item wherever it went. So it could, I suppose the difference there would be attachment is you can detach from that item and go off and, you know, either pass on, you know, go pass over to the other side or just, I'm not, well, you know, we don't really know. But I suppose if something is possessed and and entrapped within this item, then as long as the item exists, that being is trapped within it. I think a lot of people then think, well, why not destroy that item that this entity lives in, you know, especially if it's a negative entity. The thing is, you destroy that item, that being is then free. And for the most part, (laughs) there's reasons why these entities are entrapped in these items. And it's usually from humans actually, you know, causing that to be the case. So whatever evil entity was, you know, causing some drama or what have you, they have now been isolated into this one particular item. Now, it depends on how and how do they choose that item. I'm assuming it's maybe that that entity took a bit of a liking to that item. It might have been something because they had some interest in it. It was easier to get them entrapped in that item. It's hard to kind of say or, you know, it could even just be, it could just be what was around at the time as well. That's sort of a bit of a summary, I suppose. And as I said, that's me kind of doing the research and then coming to you with what my understanding kind of is with haunted items. As I said, there's a ton of things out there currently in the world which are haunted. And I thought, oh, I might talk about five or six or so. And then I realized, actually, I could probably talk at quite some lengths about just three. Two of them are dolls, mostly because they are very famous kind of cases, quite well documented and quite unsettling, I suppose, is what I quite liked. And then the other item is a chair. And I thought, all right, well, we'll go one end of the spectrum where it's like, you know, people are afraid of dolls and, you know, people always think dolls are haunted and so on. And then we'll just go to the complete opposite thing, the thing we use every day, a chair. So why don't we just kick it off straight away 
with the most famous doll to ever exist, and that is the Annabelle doll. Annabelle was actually quite well known even before the spin-off Annabelle, uh, which was, you know, a part of the Conjuring series. And it's interesting too because I was familiar with, um oh, sound like that kind of guy, but I was familiar with Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are demonologists, paranormal researchers, uh, who have both passed on now. I was familiar with their work throughout, I believe, from the 50s through to the sort of early 2000s uh, before... I think the sort of craze of obviously before the Conjuring film franchise came out and so on. So I was I was across that sort of work and now since those films, Ed and Lorraine Warren are, you know, top of mind for anything haunted or, you know, demonic, which is actually kind of kind of blows me away a little bit because I, I'm not going to get into this too much, but a lot of people uh, don't actually agree with Ed and Lorraine Warren and don't actually believe that they were these people who uh, they sort of made themselves out to seem and so on. And I've heard this from a few different sources and so on now, So, and I can't speak too much of that, but I definitely do think they did a lot of great in the world of demonology and every item that they believed to be possessed or haunted, they would bring back to their home and then end up building a museum, an occult museum, which I absolutely love. So I think that is probably the root. That is that's probably the biggest reason why they have such an impact is the famous cases they've worked on, and also the fact that a lot of these artifacts are still currently in the house that they once lived in. Ed and Lorraine Warren did do a lot in the paranormal community. I read online that they studied over ten thousand cases personally. You know, so that's going to these locations, and apparently they did it for no monetary value. All they would charge was the travel expense. I mean, they would make their money off lecturing, books, television specials, all that sort of thing. So for the most part, you could see they're being in it for the right reason, which I can very much so appreciate. So Annabelle dates back to 1970, where a nurse was gifted from her mother a Raggedy Ann doll. And I think if you're a bit young, kind of probably like me, you might not be familiar with Raggedy Ann, but uh, definitely jump on the blog for this because I'll have a picture of Annabelle on there. And to be honest, you've probably seen her anyway. She doesn't look anything like the doll in the film. She was gifted this doll as she was a bit of a fan or a collector of dolls herself from my her mother. Not long into owning the doll, they started to find the doll sort of placed differently. You know, maybe her leg might have been crossed over or she was lying down. And then before long, she ended up in other rooms of the house. At one point, this girl's roommate actually found Annabelle with parchment which is an old type of paper scattered all around her with the message, help me, written on it. And they didn't have any type of parchment that they were witnessing in the house. The young girl decided to get an expert's opinion on what was going on, so she called in a medium. The medium held a seance from which they learnt that the apartment was being haunted by a seven-year-old girl who died on the property before the apartment block was built. Her name was Annabelle Higgins. The spirit was very fond of the doll, hence why the activity started to really pick up ever since the doll coming into the property. She was interacting with it. She had some sort of fascination with it. Apparently, the spirit then goes on to ask for permission to actually inhabit the doll, which the owner consented to. One night, the girl had a friend sleeping over. He woke up in a panic with Annabelle sitting across the room, staring directly at him. The next thing he knows is he can't breathe. He feels like there's hands around his throat. When this horrific episode ends lifts up his shirt to find scratch marks all over his torso. This is when Ed and Lorraine Warren get involved. As soon as they got onto the scene, they came to the immediate conclusion that this doll wasn't possessed by a spirit, but the doll was being manipulated by something inhuman. They believe the reason that the entity 
asked to inhabit the doll or appeared to be inhabiting the doll was to get closer to the girl and her roommate, hoping to get a hold of them. Ed and Lorraine confiscated the doll that day and decided to take it back to their occult museum. Even just on the drive home with Annabelle, Ed's car started to have malfunctions and so on. He had to pull over and at one point he uh, got into the back seat where Annabelle was and sprayed holy water over her telling her to cut it out and so on. From what they could gather, whatever had attached itself to this doll was extremely powerful. So for a little while, Annabelle lived in the museum, just out in the open air, sitting on a chair. But a few things started to happen where they then decided they actually had to kind of secure her a little bit. The Warrens had a priest friend who came around for dinner. And this wasn't long into the Warrens having Annabelle. So he was familiar with the doll and asked Ed if he could go go downstairs and actually see Annabelle. So Ed warns him, just whatever you do, don't touch it, okay? Just don't touch anything in this room, matter of fact. The priest completely ignores this warning, ends up touching Annabelle, it's stating that he's not afraid of evil because God is more powerful. Ed just goes on to say to the priest, I told you not to touch it. Why, you know, why can't you just respect that? The priest ends up going home. He had just bought a brand new car and on that drive home, he totaled the car. After the accident, the priest told Ed that right before he crashed his car, he looked into the rear vision mirror and actually saw the doll in the back seat, which then made him crash the car. So from this point on, Ed and Lorraine knew they had to secure Annabelle. I think a lot of people would probably see Annabelle sitting in her glass cabinet with a lock and think, oh, that's to keep the doll in there so it can't escape. But it's actually to stop the public from touching it and causing harm to themselves. The glass cabinet actually doesn't do anything to hold the doll there. It's the fact that, well, to be honest, the doll can't really manoeuvre itself too much. It's it's quite powerless without having to feed off people. You know, if you believe in the whole Catholic view of good and evil, they then have a priest coming in and then praying over the doll to keep it at bay as well and holy water and such other things. So another incident happened some years later. Ed was taking a group of university students through the museum and there was a young couple there and he didn't believe in the paranormal and he was quite open about that. And he started tapping on Annabelle's glass and pretty much challenging her to do something bad to him. And Ed then kicked him and his girlfriend out. Uh, they rode off on his motorbike. And unfortunately, they crashed into a tree. The rider was killed uh, and his girlfriend was hospitalized for almost 12 months. And that could be very much so a coincidence or it could be Annabelle actually, actually challenging that threat. A big red flag for me, which a lot of people probably wouldn't understand is the original owner, the nurse, had no idea what they were really dealing with. They, you know, they had a medium come in and say, there's a spirit of a young girl who wants to attach herself to your doll because she's infatuated with it and so on. And then they allowed the spirit to do that. Now, really, we have no, we have no real power over the dead, in my opinion. They are completely their own entity and you know, they're, they're literally energy and we can't really harness that too much. You know, we can persuade and so on and have sort of effects like that. But other than that, we're pretty powerless. So for a spirit to say, I need permission to do something and then you granting it, that's not a spirit. Right there, red flag, you're dealing with something that is more ritualistic and there's principles in place. And that is very much so demonic type entities. You know, when when you want to contact a demon, there's a ritual you have to follow that is very specific to that particular entity. It's all about process and procedure with these entities for whatever reason. So this entity 
masking itself as this young girl, Annabelle Higgins, and then actually getting the... And I suppose maybe it has to ask for permission because it is an item owned by the living. I suppose for whatever reason, it was stronger being attached to that doll. It was able to get closer to the living and actually then possess a living vessel, which is if you're a demon who wants to do a lot of harm, that is pretty much the key right there is to possess someone living. In saying that too, though, I could go down the other argument of if it's a demonic entity, it can kind of do whatever it wants to a certain extent as well. I'm not sure the whole sort of reason for this, like oh, I have to kind of get the trust of this young girl, play it off as I'm her doll, get closer to it and go about that way. I'm not really sure how that all works, but looking at it from a logistical kind of way, that's what it sounds like was going on there. So that's Annabelle. Obviously, as you hear there, she does sound quite dangerous. She has caused some harm in the past. A few people have uh, run into some incidences and so on. And that's very similar for this next doll as well. Since we're on the topic of dolls, we'll just continue along that. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This doll here, he's simply called Robert the Doll. And he, like Annabelle, has some very similar attributes in terms of people either challenging the doll or not respecting it, then them suffering consequences from that. So the story of Robert the Doll dates back to the early 1900s. Robert Eugene Otto was gifted a doll who resembles a little boy wearing a sailor's suit. And once again, jump on the blog and check out what Robert looks like. He's a very unusual doll, I would say. His facial features it's just very interesting there's like a very sort of flat kind of nose and now the doll's quite 
it's over 100 years old, so it is kind of falling apart a little bit. So it does, it does look quite unsettling. And I think it probably always had some sort of unsettling characteristic to it. But definitely, this would be a good one to have a look at some images of Robert whilst we talk about him here. Robert would often go by his middle name, Eugene, or Jean. So he decided to name this new doll he just received, his first name, Robert. Jean and Robert were inseparable. I suppose like what a lot of kids do is, you know, if they have some sort of toy or an imaginary friend, they really get close to whatever this object or inanimate being is. And I suppose to begin with, his parents thought the same thing, you know, Robert was just very much so a part of Jean's life. He would sit at the table with the family and Jean would feed him and so on. They would sleep in the same bed. They were just like best friends or even brothers. Everything seemed normal until Jean's parents overheard in-depth full-length conversations that Jean was having with the doll. But the thing was, the doll sounded like it was responding. There was someone there continuing the conversation, a voice that they believe a young child like Jean wouldn't be able to create. It didn't sound anything like a young boy. Jean also started to tell his parents he was having nightmares which involved the doll as well. One night, his parents actually came in to check on him and the furniture in Jean's room was overturned. Robert was on one side of the room, Jean was in his bed. Jean had woken up when his parents entered the room and all he could say was, Robert did it. Jean's parents also reported seeing the doll move around different parts of the house, in different rooms and so on. And the strange thing is too, neighbours who would on look into windows could actually see the doll moving by itself at home when no one was around. So this got a little bit too much for Jean's parents and they decided to take the doll and place it in the attic. But Robert wasn't silent in the attic. Visitors to the house would often report hearing footsteps or even giggling as if a child was in the attic. Jean got older, grew up without Robert, then eventually both his parents passed and he ended up taking over his parents' house. Whilst going through the family's things, Jean ended up coming across Robert again and pretty much straight away, Robert was back in Jean's life, which was very upsetting to Jean's wife, who didn't really know anything about this doll and all of a sudden... Her husband is kind of obsessed. Jean would place Robert in the room where him and his wife would sleep. Jean was also quite a renowned painter at the time and when he would be upstairs doing his paintings, Robert was sitting right next to him. This took a lot of toll on his relationship, as you could imagine, because it was just very unusual. Jean's wife also reports that after Robert had been reintroduced into Jean's life, he started to act a bit differently. He started to have these fits of rage where he would pretty much black out when he came to, would just not remember what had actually happened. Jean's wife blames the doll for this behaviour. In 1974, Jean passed away and his wife soon followed. Robert the doll ended up at the Fort East Martello Museum, where Robert is still there to this day. He's displayed in a glass display case with warnings all around about him being a haunted doll. Some of these warnings that are plastered all around Robert are as follows, such as respect the doll and ask permission to take photos. People who don't do this apparently find themselves in quite a bit of strife, believing that they're somehow cursed with a lot of bad luck or illness and so on. A lot of strange kind of behaviour. And the weirdest thing is, is that Robert has his own mailing address and apparently he gets quite a few letters every day. And a lot of those letters are actually apologies from people who tormented the doll or photographed him, filmed him without permission. And people actually offer food or toys, gifts, what kind of have you, to actually apologise for disrespecting him and for him somehow causing some grief in their life. 
So why might Robert be haunted? Apparently, Jean's parents actually owned a plantation where Jean's mother was said to mistreat her servants. Jean's mother on one occasion found the servants practicing black magic. She sacked these servants, and it's believed that potentially these servants may have actually cursed the doll, knowing that it could cause some harm to that family. It would make sense to why this doll is possessed or inhabited by something, and apparently still is to this day. Whatever it is, it's still very much so attached to Robert. Another thing you'll find online is that the servants actually stitched Robert together, so he was a one-off. And that's when the curse began as well. But it turns out that's not actually the case. Robert was a one-off doll, but made by a German toy company by the name of Steiff. I believe that's how you pronounce it. My German's not great. So that there is the story of Robert. It's believed that he is one of the most haunted items that currently exists. And it's very similar to Annabelle in a sense as well. And I think it's just very off-putting because they both are these children's toys who are quite, quite dated and they're just... It's just that eerie thing I think people have about dolls. So this last haunted object I'm going to touch on is the Busby Stoop Chair. So this story takes place in the late 17th century. A man by the name of Thomas Busby, he was a local inn owner in Thirsk in England. It's reported that Thomas Busby loved having a drink, as a lot of Englishmen do. And he had a particular chair that he was quite fond of when he would sit and drink in the inn. Now, Thomas was involved in a counterfeit coin business with his father-in-law, and apparently the two didn't often see eye to eye, having quite a few scraps and quite a bit of conflict within their business. Apparently, one day, Thomas had had enough. He actually found his father-in-law sitting in his favourite chair, having a drink. And as the story goes, this was the thing that tipped Thomas over the edge. Later that week, he bludgeoned his father-in-law to death, took the body and hid it out in the forest. Police found the body, tied the murder back to Thomas, and he was convicted of murder and was sentenced to be hung in York. Before Thomas was executed, they gave him one final wish, and that wish was to have one last drink in the inn sitting in his chair. It's believed that Thomas stated the following words, or at least something very similar to, Death shall come swiftly to anyone that dares to sit in my chair. Apparently that was one of the last things he said before he was removed from the inn and hung. Supposedly, that chair remained in that pub for centuries. The pub only closed in 2012, I believe, so it was quite some uh, hundreds of years old. So, was the chair haunted? Well, during World War II, any soldier that would sit in that chair, it's believed that they never returned from battle. Two Royal Air Force pilots knew about the urban legend of the chair, both decided to sit in it, and when they left the pub, actually crashed their truck into a tree. A roofer in the 70s also decided to try his luck and sit in the chair, and later that week a roof actually collapsed in on him. Even the pub's cleaning lady one evening actually tripped and fell into the chair, and it's believed that she later died from a brain tumour. And I suppose at this point the pub owner went, I think this chair is actually killing people. Let's take it out of the pub and we'll put it down in the basement. One day a delivery man was down in the basement I guess, delivering booze and what can have you, decided to sit in the chair to take a bit of a rest. And then later that day, while the delivery man was out doing his route, he actually had an accident as well and died. This chair now hangs six feet off the ground in the Thirsk Museum, where no one has been able to sit in it ever since. When I first came across the Busby Stoop chair, I was like, wow, this is, this is really interesting, okay? Anyone who sits in this chair dies. Like, that, that is pretty wild. And... I think from first read, I kind of went, okay, yeah, like, wow, that's that's really interesting. 
And it is considered one of the most haunted items, definitely in the UK, if not the world. It definitely has such a rich lore around it and so on. And it's, it's just fascinating. And I think it's got that perfect thing of the backstory. It's got some weird kind of accounts. And obviously these are all just uh, accounts as well. Like we don't really have any particular proof that these people who passed sat in that chair, you know, we're completely going off, I suppose, what other people in the pub and so on saw or if someone challenged the chair like, ah, oh, yeah, I was going to have a sit, oh, it was going to kill me and so on. But the thing is, these people were drinking in a pub. Anyone who had left and probably crashed their car, probably drunk. The World War II people, uh, there's probably a good chance they weren't going to come back from war. The thing about the cleaning lady with a brain tumour, she probably already had that. There's a lot of things that can be talked up to coincidence. There seems to be a lot more of these kind of cases though, which are a bit weird, but I think the thing with something being cursed is a bit of a tricky, it's, it becomes such a slippery slope. And at this point now, I suggest you jump on the Patreon because I'm going to tell you about a family member of mine who passed away who some of us believe actually was cursed. I did listen to an interview with one of the volunteers at the at the, at the Thirsk Museum where this chair now lives. And this woman doesn't actually believe that the chair's cursed. You know, she doesn't really believe much about the paranormal. Fair enough, like a lot of people. But then uh, the interviewer does go on to say, well, would you sit in it? And she goes, nope. I have no interest in sitting in this chair because there is that story. But then she also does go on to say that she believes it isn't the original chair either, that the chair's too modern. Uh, so I don't know, who who is this? whose chair is this then? And why is this chair also cursed, I suppose? Like, I have so many, so many questions about this particular chair. But regardless, I find it very interesting that there's this whole backstory and, you know, there's no, there's no real significance to this chair, especially because they're saying, well, I don't think it's the original one. And I guess it's kind of hard to know as well, like something that's from the 17th century. But regardless, people won't sit in it. There is enough, and there's enough information or enough of a story for people to go, no, I don't think I'm going to tempt it. And I think that's kind of fair enough. And that's, that's probably how more people should probably be a bit like that, you know, a little more maybe superstitious. I think maybe people should be a little bit more wary and a little bit more, I don't know, I think... If the man was taken to be hung and he, you know, stated anyone who now sits in my seat, you know, I hope that you will perish to an extent. It's, I think that's probably a fair thing to just go, yeah, all right, well, that's his chair now. You know, kind of just respect uh, the wishes of the dead and so on and, you know, just be as respectful like as you are respectful to the living, be very much so respectful to the dead as well because we don't actually know what they're capable of, uh, especially if they're quite angry and vengeful. Uh, we don't fully understand the the potential outcomes that they could actually bestow upon the living, especially if you're tempting them, you know, like most of these people who I've mentioned today who have had some sort of bad experience were aware of the of what they were doing, you know, the poor people who kind of fell into the, that chair or weren't aware or maybe even people who take photos of Robert and not read the sign even though, you know, it's it's pretty obvious and so on. But, you know, for the most part I think Bad things happen to those who kind of challenge and don't believe. And well, it's not about believing, it's just about having respect. And that's probably my biggest takeaway from this is whether or not these items are haunted whatsoever. I think we should look at it as people with some common sense and just be respectful. to it. Like there's, nothing, there's no harm in that at all, I think, just to go, okay, well, if 
someone thinks, oh, don't tempt this, just leave it alone, you know, just look, don't touch, then just do so. And especially when things are in museums as well, like all these things are in a museum currently. You know, if you just kind of look and then leave it alone, then you shouldn't really have any issue anyway. But in saying that, a lot of people have haunted items in their homes currently too. You know, I've spoken to people who've haunted items and I'm very curious about it too. You know, definitely let me know if I should go and buy something. Uh, if I get enough, if I get enough of you saying, yeah, do that, I'll uh, just convince the old fiance to let me own something haunted in our house because she's definitely not keen on that. But in saying that, I would rather it be me have something that not even necessarily that's dangerous, but just, you know, I know that I'm going to look after this item and kind of respect it and, you know, potentially give it kind of what it wants just so it can sort of happily live out its days and I can kind of just have that thing of, I don't know, just learning more about this item and so on. But I haven't really thought that through too much as of yet. But if you think I should go and buy something that's haunted and probably do a podcast on it, definitely let me know because I have not ruled it out. That might be something that has to happen, especially if enough of you say, yeah, Dylan, go and do that. And I'll go, yeah, yeah, all right. You guys asked for it, so here it is. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with haunted items. I don't fully, I don't think any of us fully grasp how something can attach itself or possess a particular item. But regardless, I think there is enough evidence to prove that something malevolent or malicious can kind of attach itself to these items. And, you know, I only spoke about negative kind of events too. There's a lot of things I'm sure that, you know, might haunt something which, you know, are quite happy just to do their thing and, you know, they might be a bit playful and so on or move about, you know, it's, it's, in most of the case, it's going to be that. It's very rare that these things are this evil, you know, otherwise we'd have museums full of them. You know, the occult museum wouldn't just be like a back room of a, of the Warren's house would be, you know, the whole property, what can have you. So, but obviously it's more interesting to talk about the darker kind of side of this stuff too, you know. Um, but in saying that, it, this isn't just like a it's – it's definitely case by case when it comes to this stuff. But that's where I'm coming away is just be respectful towards – if you if you come across something that's believed to be haunted or, you know, just something that was owned by someone who's now passed, it was very much so treasured, just try to treat it with as much respect as you possibly can or what you think is necessary just to, you know – keep the peace, you know, that's what we should do in our daily life is just keep peace with everyone. Try to do what we can to make people happy and vice versa, you know, put out into the universe what you want to get back and so on. And you should definitely do that with items like this or the dead. I'm going to leave it there, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I quite enjoyed it. It felt like one of those ones where I kind of just got to speak and kind of get my thoughts and opinions out there, as I often do. But this one really felt like something I've sort of been thinking about for at least the last week or so. So uh, it's good to finally get that out. Let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Definitely subscribe to the podcast. Share it with all your friends if they're interested in your family and so on. It definitely helps us grow. And also, if you could leave us a review, that massively helps as well. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Also, as I said, jump on the Patreon. And that was us looking at haunted objects. Hope you guys enjoyed. I'll catch you in another podcast episode really soon. Thanks. Bye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.